it didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket, it turned around and looked at me. They looked up and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. And suddenly they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop. And he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, gravelling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up thing. Their, their, their face is like twitching. to Bigfoot Society, a podcast where we focus on cryptids, the strange, and the unexplained of this world. If you've got a story or something weird to share, send an email over to me at bigfootsociety at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. And now, on with the show. All right, Bigfoot Society, we have Mr. Scott Taylor with us today. Uh, Scott, how's it going? It's going really good this fine fall day. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful one out here in Iowa for sure. Uh, and I'm sure it's even more beautiful out there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but uh, let's let's get down to it. So you are, you know, I, I wanted to talk to a, uh, a BFRO investigator. And so I did a little digging in the, the sighting reports on the website. And your name comes up a lot for Washington. You you're all over the place. So Scott, can you can you tell us a little background about yourself and and uh, and how you got into the whole uh, Bigfoot thing and and sure. all that good stuff? Okay, I uh, I've been a lifelong uh, hunter and fisherman and and all that and been out in the woods a lot and then, uh, you know totally ambivalent about the uh, subject of Bigfoots. Uh, you know I, I had seen the Patterson Gimlin film when I was a kid and and all that watch the you know the TV shows in search of with Leonard Nimoy and all that so there was a little bit of an interest there but uh, 2000 and or 2005 um, I was deer hunting uh, only about 10 miles west of where I currently live and uh, had an encounter there and uh, you know that just turns your world upside down as soon as, as soon as you have an encounter because this uh, so-called myth is suddenly real and everything you thought you knew about the world is, is different. So my coping mechanism was not only to uh, shoot my mouth off a lot at work about it, um, it was also to start learning everything I could. So I was you know, uh, digging into books on the internet, looking at, at the stories and, and and uh, just trying to learn everything I could. And, and then I saw the uh, BFRO website had uh, uh, expeditions that you could, uh, you could sign up for and go. And so I thought, well, this will be fun. So I signed up for uh, an expedition the summer of 2006 and had a great time. Uh, met some awesome friends, got to meet Bob Gimlin, uh, uh, Got to listen to the, his whole story. Uh, took a, seemed like three hours where he told the whole thing, all the oh, details. Wow. Uh, details you'll never read anywhere. 
and uh, just really enjoyed it and made, like I said, made a lot of friends. Uh, we started networking and started uh, meeting up and doing a little bit of uh, squatching and learning, you know, from each other. And uh, I was asked to uh, be an investigator because of the interest I showed. And so I said, sure, I'll do that. And uh, so I, I got signed up for it and they taught me the ropes of how to do an investigation and, and use the BFRO's uh, uh, huge database and uh, there's uh, around 75,000 reports in there right now. Wow. And uh, I just started doing reports about two a month. Um, I've since slowed down, you know, life, life changes, um, uh, work, you know, work responsibilities change. Uh, uh, you know, COVID came along. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to, you know, I, I took a, an early layoff basically an early retirement, but it was sure. a layoff from Boeing and oh, wow. uh, moved out to our place, uh, which uh, is out in the forest. I've got a clear cut to the west. I got woods to the north, oh, woods man. to the east, woods to the south, nearest neighbors a quarter mile away. I thought, okay, I'll, I want to live out here where, where they live. But anyway, I'm backing up to doing reports and that kind of thing. Um, I was just looking at my log book. Um, I'm up to almost 190 reports that I've followed up on. Wow. Um, you know, a lot of them, maybe half, turn out to be absolutely nothing. Uh, the, the people won't get back to you. You call them up. They won't return your calls. You know, um, just nothing there. But there's a good percentage of them that are really, really solid uh, eyeball sightings, uh, what we call Class Bs, uh, where you hear uh, uh, wood knocks and you might hear vocalizations and rock clacking and, and, and tree breaking and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's the, the, the real uh, good nuggets are the uh, reports where there's habituation going on, where these people live out in the forest or out in a rural area. Uh, they've got forest around them and they... Uh, they realize that something's going on with something that's uh, sharing their property with them. Um, you know, tools might get uh, moved around if they're left out, might disappear, find them out mm -hmm. on a trail somewhere. Uh, dogs get beat up, have problems. Um, uh, then, you know, funny things like, you know, uh, there might be stick structures found on the property. There might be uh, actual sightings. Uh, glyphs, rock patterns left on their back porch or something like that. Where do these five rocks come from? You know, five <laughs> rocks. Hey, there's five people in the family. Oh, well, they're, you know, they're acknowledging that. Oh, that man. kind of thing. Really? Um, and uh, it's also a journey. You know, when I started out, you, you, you got this, this notion, this preconceived idea that you're dealing with a great big wood ape. Uh, you okay. know, something that is just like a super elusive uh, primate that's out there and uh, which, you know, kind of makes the whole problem easy to wrap your head around. But then as you go along and you learn and you learn and you learn uh, and you have experiences, you, you compare notes with other uh, uh, investigators, uh, you go on a bunch of expeditions and, and compare notes with a lot of other people. Uh, plus the experiences you have following up on reports, you find out there's more to it, a lot more to it. There, 
they're not just a dumb wood ape. They're smart. Mm -hmm. They have their own norms, things that they do um, everywhere. Uh, you know, some some groups will do more wood knocking in some areas, and other groups will do more whoops and hollers and and you know it just depends on that local family or, or clan or, you know in the region but they all do similar things you know you'll have your vocalizations uh, you'll have your your wood knocking you'll have your tree breaking you'll have rock clacking uh, you'll have glyphs you'll have stick structures you'll have subtle signs that they're around uh, but it's the same everywhere all the way from florida to alaska and from Cal southern california all the way up to Maine, you know, all over. They're doing similar kinds of things. That is that is fascinating. I'm glad you answered my question without without me asking it, which is nice. The whole, <laughs> like, what do you think Bigfoot is? And that's a very interesting um, uh, explanation. It's very cool. But I, I'm curious, so, you know, you've, I would assume you've been on tons of expeditions, right? Uh, all over the place, going out with a BFRO, uh, you're out there in the Pacific Northwest. Has there been a time where you've been like, I'm in too deep, this is too crazy, or like, I don't want to be here right now because of what's happening? Has there been that level? Well, not for me personally. Okay. Uh, but I do see that in other people. Okay. They, when, when, you, when you start down this journey of, of learning this, it will reach a point where some people cannot go further. Mm. And that's where we get into what everybody calls the woo-woo stuff. Uh, okay. You're talking, you're talking uh, early on, uh, the idea of eye glow was woo-woo. Sure. And people would say, I mean, people with PhDs would say, that's impossible, that's impossible. Mm. Uh, but they don't, didn't understand what was actually happening there. Because they're not out in the field. When you got people out in the field and they're seeing eye glow and, you know, two big eyes that are eight feet up, you know, peeking out from behind a tree, you know, hey, it's really happening. I don't care that the PhD says it's impossible. It's really happening. And other things like um, cloaking, being able wow. to just like cloak out, can't see them until they move. When you when they move, you can see them kind of like uh, on the movie Predator. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and they can do that. And there and people have gotten videos of that. I've personally seen it myself, so I know that they do it. Um, the the great video that that Barb Shoop got uh, on our channel, uh, squatching with Barb and Ga or um, Bob and Gabby. Yeah, Barb and Gabby. Okay, that's her dog passed on ah, gotcha. but um anyway excellent cloaker video um uh so they do this stuff but then there's people that say that's impossible i can't wrap my head around that and that's okay but that's where you're going to stop you're not you're not going to keep learning because they've got a lot to teach us mm. if we'll listen and as soon as we're done listening well then we're done you're not going to progress any further but then uh, it can take you down a rabbit hole that is is uh, pretty mind blowing, and you find out there's That's a lot awesome. of different things out of there besides just our big forest friends. I would love to unpack um, 
you're you're talking about you've actually uh, experienced you've seen uh, cloaking uh, done by uh, Bigfoot in the field. Do you mind talking about how that uh, how that was or what you experienced? Uh, um, first time, uh, me and two friends, um, a gal and her son, had gone out to explore this uh, this area that's south of Tacoma, Washington, about. 25 okay. miles. It's a area that was set aside, you know, formerly logging land, but it was set aside to be a state park. And uh, since it's been developed, but um, old logging roads, and we were just walking out on the logging roads, just walking around. And uh, there had been a number of really good sightings around the area, uh, reported, followed it up on just a half a mile away where they were having things happen real regularly. You know, every week something was going on. And we're just walking out on our way back to the truck. And we heard a big something moving from our right to our left. And it walked up across the road right in front of us. But it was all kind of blurry and shimmery. But the thing was huge. And then as it walked off the left side of the roads through the trees, we could see the trees moving. And then it, it seemed to stop about 50 yards in, completely out of sight, and this beautiful, big, loud whistle came to us. And so the gal I was with, she's really good at whistling. I'm not so good at it, but okay. she's really good at whistling. And they whistled back and forth, had a little exchange for about four times, and then we just heard it walk away. Got bored with us, it walked away. But definitely three of us saw it. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna ask that. So um, all three members of the party saw that that shimmering right. as it as it moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it was incredible. All like, what is that? So yeah, is that is that something that you hear a lot come in re- come up in reports for uh, the areas no. out there? No, no. Okay, no. so the, the 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 general public that turns in reports have uh, it's new to them the whole the whole concept sure. of bigfoot is new to them they would never think to uh, tie those things together as a matter of fact they would never even notice that something like that had happened more than likely so we don't i have never seen reports come in that talk about the woo stuff because it's just that's so far down the spectrum of 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 understanding for the general public that it's just not associated with it. Um, it's more what, what the ghost hunters would, would, sure. want, you know, would, would sure. pick up on. Uh, and, and a lot of times when I watch some of the TV shows about the ghost hunting people, I'm going, Hey, they're dealing with a Bigfoot and they don't know it. But, um, that's, a, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's very yeah. interesting. I think I never thought that way, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Totally, you know, in certain areas that that could be the case. That's wild to think about. Do you yeah. think that uh, clo- uh, Bigfoot cloaking would fall in the field of what some consider woo, or that it should be considered more uh, mainstream mainstream Bigfoot, and that could be happening all over the place? Um. My personal opinion is is that it's it's going to be mainstream, okay. and it kind of already is starting to become that as more and more people experience it, learn learn that it happens, and once you learn that it happens, you learn to watch out for it. Mm. And um, 
And like I said, the, the idea of iGlo, that was considered woo at one time. And sure. that's not now. Every, every, every you know, experienced Bigfooter knows, you know, watch out for iGlo at night when you're doing your night walks because that's the first thing you're going to see. Right. So, um, no, that kind of thing and other things, um, they'll gradually become mainstream. You know, they call that stuff paranormal. Yep. Paranormal just is normal. We don't understand. Exactly. We don't know the mechanism that they that it's happening with. But if you just think back, do a little mental exercise. Say you took somebody from the year 1500 and you took them to Walmart and you walk up to the front door. <laughs> Not only are the cars and everything driving around going to yeah. freak them out, but you walk up to the door and the door just magically opens to them magically opens yeah now we today because we understand the mechanisms we know there's a little radar thing up there and it detects the presence of a person and it go, opens up but to them that would be sorcery It'd absolutely be paranormal you know they wouldn't get it so yeah. there's a lot out there us humans as as modern as we think we are we still don't understand i mean there, there's so many parts of the 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 spectrum that we can't or you know we can't see with the the type of technological instruments we have right now who knows what's actually out there you know and that could be all over the place you know not just bigfoot could be other stuff mm -hmm. too but has mm -hmm. there been a time uh when you've been out in the field where you've been able to see get a really good look at um like a face-to-face -face encounter or anything like that The, the one I, where I was at, so close um, that I could have done that, it was at night. Oh, okay. And, and he was only three feet away. Three feet away? Three feet away, yeah. Yeah, Holy if he mackerel. wanted to grab me, he could have grabbed me. It, and game it was over. fun. Um, they were having fun with us. We had a, a, a group that was night walking. We went out to the end of the road. We all sat down. Um, summertime, uh 10, 30, 11 o'clock, it was still light to the northwest. You know, night vision was fully formed. We could see pretty good. And we were approached from uh, three different directions. Oh, man. And they weren't, being, they weren't being stealthy about it. They were just stomp, 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 and they came down to watch us. So it's like, who's watching who, you know? Who's observing? Anyway, uh, this one had uh, crossed the road and was lying in the grass. And half of the group got so scared because of this that they wanted to be taken out. And Whoa. so I, you know, I'm going, geez, you know, you came all this way. Like, this is know, what you're here for, and, people. <laughs> and this is what you're here for. And now they're here. So, you know, let's make lemons uh, or lemonade out of lemons. So I said, okay, here's the plan. Half the group stays and observes what they do when I walk out with basically the children and their mom and walk up the road. Um, it had crossed, belly crawled across the road. Somebody saw it. Nobody was listening to that young man, but uh, they saw it. Yeah. Walked right up, even with it, on my side of the road, and it gets up. And it got up on all fours, and it's like having a something the size of a cow. That's how big they are. Got up, and we all... You know, I was startled. I turned around like I was going to hit it with my walking stick. Uh, the woman and her kids were screaming. Um, anyway, it just turned and, and dove off the side of the hill down down the hill. 
So it yeah. didn't do anything other than scare the heck out of us. Yeah. You know, and to me, that was one of the most fun encounters I've ever had. But other sightings have been a little more of a distance. I saw a little okay. one um, look like a four-foot-tall cousin it walking across, a, basically running across the road in front oh, of wow. us, only about 50 yards in front of the vehicle. Um, that was pre-dash camera days. Um, ran across the road, coming back, um, same day, coming back, getting ready to turn into the, uh, the, the clearing where we had our main base camp, and a great big one, full adult, walks across the road about 200 yards down the road in front of us, and they are so fast. I had my camera out. I had it on. I had my finger on the button, and he walks out. My passenger said, there he is, mm. but my attention was already on making my turn. Yeah. And so by the time I looked up to where it was and got my finger to push the button, he was already gone. Oh, man. So I didn't get him. But on that expedition, several other people did. Because mm. you could go to that spot where, where we were, put your camera up, walk, you know, face it down the road, and about the same time every evening, he'd cross the road right there. That's crazy. But a couple of hundred yards away. Wow, that's but like I, repeatable behavior. That's wild, man. Yeah. I love it. Well, they have fun with us. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing about a BFRO expedition. Um, you create a an enticing, fun atmosphere. Mm. You have, not only do you have the guys there, but you have the women there. You have kids there. Kids are welcome. One expedition, we had kids riding around on bikes and talking on the radios and having oh, wow. a great time. It, it's a fun kind of a deal where you don't have to say to the kids, shh. Quiet, you're going to scare the Bigfoot. You know, you want them to notice that you're there and everybody's thinking about them. So we're putting out this Bigfoot vibe, you know, and at least I think so. <laughs> and um, they're picking up on that and they're going, we got to go see what's going on with these people. Uh, we had one time, everybody's sitting around the campfire and, um, you know, the adults have been doing whoops and that kind of thing getting nothing in response. So we said, hey, kids, do a whoop. So all the kids, one, two, three, all the kids went whoop. And we got an instant response. Really? They were, they, yeah, they were, they were keyed in on those kids. And so because of the atmosphere that you create, fun, non-threatening, interesting, singing, laughing, joking, having a good time, but also being serious about it, but not so serious that you look like you're hunting. Sure. Okay? We, 85% of the time, my, my guess is you'll have something happen. And, um, and it's pretty regular. I mean, we, we, we had one this summer where it was an expedition where not a lot happened, but we did have, you know, one good, um, sighting and, um, also, when the whole group was at the main base area having a meeting, one decided he was going to leave some footprints where we could find them. Wow. And left a great big one, toes, everything, for some people to cast. That's so awesome. So they'll, furtive, they'll furtively play around with you if they don't, even if they don't want to get too involved with what's going on. They'll at least let you know they're around. So... <clears throat> Roughly how many different um, 
expeditions do you think you've been involved with over the years? Probably 15. Wow. Let's pretend you have someone, they're coming out on the expedition, it's their first time. How would you like that person to be prepared to be able to handle themselves in a Bigfoot expedition? Like what kind of stuff do they need? Okay, well, first thing they're they're going to, all, all you really need, you don't need a lot. You need, um, you know, proper clothing, footwear. You need, uh, you know, proper camping gear because you're going to, you know, have your own tent and your sleeping bag and all that kind of thing. Um, a camera, just a regular camera. Um, you know, I prefer, you know, your standard digital camera over a cell phone. The reason I don't prefer the cell phone, and that's just me though, is because it leaves as part of the metadata latitude and longitude. That's a good point. <clears throat> and if you don't know how to scrub that off of there, yep. uh, other people can go figure out exactly where you were. So I kind of sh shy away from that, especially when I'm dealing with uh, a habituation site. I don't want people to know where that is. So getting back to your question, um, a headlamp that is uh, has red, uh, a good walking stick, something um, something you can use for scale when you take pictures. You know, the most frustrating thing for a, for an investigator is to have somebody send them a picture of what looks like a really nice footprint, yep. and you can't tell how big it is. But not all big foot footprints are big. They have babies, little tiny feet, all the way up, you know, 21, 22 inches. So having something for scale, they'll need that. And then other than that, uh, a pack with your, your basic, uh, you know, things that you need in it, a compass, uh, water. Um, uh, if they want to bring something to make castings with, uh, hydrocal, um, is better don't don't bring plaster of Paris. That does not really work that well. It's not structurally strong enough. Okay. In my opinion, uh, hydrocal, which you get a lot of building supplies, especially building supplies that deal with masonry. Um, you can get that. Bring that along. I used to carry it in my pack, and my back started hurting me because that stuff's <laughs> heavy. Okay. And so you know, I keep it in a tote at camp. If we find something, I'll go get it. Um, but um, that kind of thing. And then the other thing is be emotionally ready to deal with the subject. Some people aren't there. We always have a talk um, first night of what to expect. So people are kind of primed for it. Um, we don't tell them about the woo stuff. Okay. That will sometimes turn people off because they're not ready for that. But we tell them, if you have some weird things happening, I don't care how weird it is, come talk to us. And usually there's uh, an expedition staff member there who understands that stuff and can maybe clear it up for them. But we don't want to uh, we don't want to pre-prime them to uh, be seeing you know cloaked bigfoots everywhere, you know. We, right. we, you know, we just want them to under, to just experience what happens out there. Uh, most activity is in the dark at night. Um, when I do night walks, um, I insist on no light, none, not even the red light. Okay. Um, have the light, the 
flashlight with you or the headlamp with you, but it's for emergencies. You know, if you if somebody gets hurt, trips over something, um, you know, we need to, to deal with a medical emergency. Yeah, turn on the headlights. If something hap were to happen that was people were feeling very threatened, okay, you can hit the white lights. It'll stop. They'll go away. You can leave and, you know, defuse the situation. But you're there to have an experience. So no lights. Uh, after 15, 20 minutes in the dark, on a no moon light, you can see everybody. You can see what's on the road. You can see where the rocks are. People's night vision is a lot better mm. than, peop than most people realize because they never go do it. <clears throat> so um, to me, one of the most fun and interesting things is seeing the scenes that you see in the dark. You're not just seeing black. You're seeing things, but it's from a perspective that humans generally don't get to see. And it's beautiful. Not only that, but that's when they're out. So if you, if you want to have the highest chance of having an encounter, that's when you, you do that. And, you know, let the people in the group split apart a little bit, some ahead, some behind. Uh, sometimes we want to come out, walk between the groups, um, following the first group. Uh, um, you know, they'll follow along to the side. Um, you know, there was one time where the, where the group had seen one on a thermal and walked, kind of just kept going and walked up to where that was. Um, then they saw two of them off um, about 50 yards away. And so they all just stopped, and the girls started singing a song and swaying back and forth. Okay. And the guys with the, or the people with the, the thermals were watching them, and the Sasquatches were swaying back and forth with the girls as wow. they were singing the song. And, and that's not uncommon to have that kind of thing happen. You know, I've even heard reports where there's been audio captured where it's like, it almost sounds like singing. Oh, yeah, they sing. Have you experienced that your, yourself? Um, I have heard recordings that okay. a good friend of mine did yep. of them singing uh, basically a lullaby to, a, to an infant. Mm, that's kind of what it sounded like. It sounded like yeah. a, or even almost like an old, it's hard to, like an old hymn. It's just mm -hmm. it's very mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. I, I oh, don't know. And, they love music. They love okay. music. That's a, a, a good technique for getting them to come in and understand that the group that they're dealing with is friendly, is not a threat. Play music. Now, if you go out there and you play heavy metal, headbanging right. music, they're not going to have anything to do with you. But if you play something that is, is peaceful and sweet-sounding and soothing, um, they they got to come listen. And, and if you do the same thing night after night after night, you know, the, the longer you do it, the more they'll come. Do you think there's any, um, you know, talking about uh, call blasting, have you ever heard of people using like a baby cry? Uh, yes. To try, is, do you yeah. find that effective or it just leads to weird stuff? Mixed results. Okay. Mixed results. Uh, we've, we've had everything from nothing happening <clears throat> to so much going on that everybody wished they'd never tried it. That's what I hear a lot. Yeah. They, uh, they, they have in the past um, 
come in very aggressively because really? they're not sure if it's one of their kids or one of our kids. Mm. Because when they're infants, you can't tell the difference. Have you ever experienced uh, times where things have started to get more aggressive or or not, or th- hopefully not? I, I don't know how you look at it, but... No, not not really. Okay, good. Um, most, of, most of the time, it's uh, respectful on both sides. Um, you know, when, when you see like on, on uh, some of the TV shows where there's a Bigfoot over there, run at it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're nuts. Not you know? a smart move. You, you need some help with what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stand there, film it, thermal it, you know, collect all the data you can. But if you run at it, it's going to go away. It's not going to stick around and wait for you to catch up to it. So no bluff charging is what you're saying. No. Yeah. People have had those experiences. Okay. Witnesses have had those experiences. Um, uh, for instance, a guy who's, say, hunting, and he's he's checking out a draw that he's never hunted before, and it's, and it's pretty rough and remote to get into. And he starts going up in there, and he gets the heebie-jeebie vibe, maybe I shouldn't be here. Sure. But he presses on through that. Most people take that hint and leave. Right. But he presses on through that, and he's going in an area where their family is. So they're going to kick him out. And so he's going to get screamed at. He's going to get uh, rocks thrown at him. Uh, one thing they like to do is grab a big tree limb and just snap it off, you know, and it makes a lot of noise. It's very startling. They're just trying to get him to turn around and leave. There are people who have taken that hint, started leaving, and it basically escorts them out. Hmm. If they think they're being chased. They think they're running for their lives. They think that if they stop, they're going to get grabbed and killed. But no, they're just being herded out. Uh, one, one fellow I knew of that um, he, was, he was running away, and he tripped and fell, and he, he expected to be killed. Wow. And all it did is it stopped and waited for him to get up. That's weird, he up, man. He, kept, he took off running. It just kept up with him. They are so incredibly fast that if they want to catch you, you're done. Man. They will catch you. There is no human that can run as fast as what they can run. Hmm. So that their, their intent is not to hurt you. Their intent is to make you leave. Take the hint. That is very, very interesting. Oh, man. Scott, this has been a awesome conversation thank you so much for coming on um certainly welcome crazy to think we're already at the end of the time but i could see maybe sometime in the future you know if you're up for it maybe we'll we'll have a follow-up interview because it sounds like you got stories stories on stories and uh some good advice but is there a way that uh people can keep up to to what you're doing or just keep an eye on the bfro or what do you say I would say just keep an eye on the BFRO uh, website. Look for reports recently added. Sure. Um, not all of them that we do get published. Some of them, the, the witness doesn't want it published. Mm. Um, others are just, well, you know, it could be anything. Um, but um, that would be the best way to do it. Um, I'm going to be speaking this year at the Sasquatch Summit in oh. Ocean Shores, Washington. Okay. That's uh, November 18th and 19th, I believe. Um, that's usually a really good event. 
uh, a lot of fun. Um, uh, so, you know, people can come to that. Um, I've spoken other places, libraries and, you know, um, Boy Scout troops and that kind of thing. But I don't have a website of my own. Um, I prefer to let my work stand on the quality of the reports that we do. I love it. And uh, last, before I let you go, if a person is listening to this and they're like, well, I'm in Washington and I've got a report, how are they best uh, to send that info to the BFRO? So you go onto the BFRO's uh, webpage and there is a, a, a pick there for how to submit a report. Okay. And what I suggest that they do is they write down what happened in their own words on a Word document. And then once they got that up, start filling in the blanks. But when it comes time to write out what happened, copy, paste it, put it in there. Okay. Um, because it will time out. So if you're on there too gotcha. long, it'll just time out on you and you'll lose everything that you did. Uh, Sometimes we see people put it in two, three times trying to put the report in. Sure. And we have to go through and weed out oh, the yeah, ones yeah. that they didn't actually get completed all the way. Um, so, you know, just do that. Uh, if you want a particular investigator, you, there's a, a box you can fill in somebody's name. If you know oh, okay, somebody. cool. Yeah, and if you want, if you want Matt Moneymaker or Cliff Berrickman or Bobo Fay, you know, um, um, you you can put their name down, but they're not going to do it. Right. Yeah. Now, if you put it down for a report that's in Southern California, yeah, you might get um, sure you might get Matt Moneymaker. But, you know, Cliff isn't doing it with the BFRO anymore. Yeah. Neither is Bobo. Exactly. And uh, so. But uh, Scott Taylor is, thankfully. Well, <laughs> not as much as I used to. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, it, it's, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a super fun chat. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out with uh, with what you're you're doing with the BFRO from recent reports and all that good stuff. But thank you for coming on, sir. Okay. You're very welcome. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or 